Hello, and welcome to the Three Uniques podcast. I'm your host, Brenda Rigby. I'm a business and leadership coach and entrepreneur. I'm a single mom of two teenagers and a purpose-led believer. My mission is to maximize the human potential by helping you unlock what's unique in all of us and design a big life that leaves you whole, grounded, and complete. Welcome to Three Uniques. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Three Uniques. I'm Brenda, your host on Three Uniques. And if this is your first time listening to a guest interview on Three Uniques, welcome. Welcome to this experience. And if you're returning, I'm so glad to have you back again. Today, I'm interviewing Justina Audula. Justina is a student with the University of British Columbia here in Vancouver, Canada. She is studying microbiology and First Nations and Indigenous studies. Her hope, her intent, once she graduates, is to continue on with her studies in medicine and healthcare with the objective of supporting marginalized communities and specifically indigenous communities within Canada. She also, as a young person, a young leader, is serving on boards to, again, help marginalized communities within the Vancouver City Centre any way that she possibly can by looking at different perspectives sharing her voice as a person of color and as a female leader within the Vancouver marketplace. I am really excited for you to listen to this podcast. I think it's really inspiring. And just a little factoid, we actually conducted this interview a few months ago on Instagram Live. So there's a few interruptions and a few rough patches with Wi-Fi. And it's a great interview. So sit back and enjoy it and let me know what you think once you finish listening. Take care. We've got Christina Agula uh, coming on board and she is a university student at UBC. She's doing a dual degree right now in microbiology um, and First Nations and Indigenous Studies. So she'll be on in a couple secs. We'll just wait for her to get set up. And normally when we go on, um, uh, normally when we go on uh, live for a three uniques interview, it's just kind of ad lib. But uh, you can also go check out all of the podcasts. Sorry, there seems to be a little bit of a poor connection, so it keeps going in and out. But you can go check out all of the podcasts of previous interviews with three uniques uh, just by going to the link in the bio. And you'll see that we're on Spotify, Apple, Google, and a bunch of other stations. And then you can tune in and listen up. Okay, so Justina's just coming on right now. We'll get started as soon as she pops in. There she is. Oh, hi. Hi. <laughs> How are that? you? That was good. That was easy. Okay, good. You might want to just tilt your screen just a little bit. Okay. Just like this? Yeah, there you go. Okay, perfect. Hi. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Everyone's joining. I'm just going to turn my volume. I always have it down and then I forget. Ooh, can you almost... hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? Oh, yes, of course. Amazing. So, hi, everyone. We've got Justina Agula on. And Justina is a university student at UBC. She's doing, she's working on two degrees right now, <laughs> microbiology and First Nations and Indigenous Studies. And she's going to be graduating in 2021, which is amazing. I'm so excited. I can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, you 
another year and a bit, right? No, no, this year, at the end of this year. Oh, at the end of this year, right. I'm like yes. 2021, 2021, right? I know. Okay. It feels like it's been going on forever. <laughs> well, I think it's also just the heat today. So for the folks that are joining <laughs> in that are not in the you know lower mainland of British Columbia, it's like we're in this massive heat wave right now, so... Exactly. I think it's going to get up to 42 tomorrow, I think. Yeah. It's going to be the hottest day of the summer. And I'm already sweat. I don't know why I decided to wear a long sleeve, but I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> I've got ice packs, fans, waters all around me just to try and keep You're myself. well prepared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I, probably after this, I'm going to need a nap. Uh, oh, it's so 100%. Hot. So, Justina, you came on this morning to share your three uniques with us. And we'll get to that in a few minutes. But let's talk a little bit about yourself. So, microbiology and First Nations and Indigenous Studies. Why that combination? That's what everybody always asks me because they do sound really different from each other. And I initially started my degree at UBC in the Bachelor of Science program. So I was really gung-ho about learning everything that I could about biology, how the human body worked. And that's when I started um, my microbiology degree. Loved it. But then um, as I was going on, I was thinking, okay, you know what, I think med school might be the route for me. And I'm actually really interested in learning um, more about this. But then I feel like if anybody that is working in a like social program, if you're going to be working with people, mm -hmm. I think it's really important that you also have a humanities background. So um, that's when I took my first Indigenous Studies class at UBC. And I was, I was not really familiar with Indigenous peoples or um, the land that we live on. And actually, before I begin my even my three uniques, I did want to acknowledge um, mm. that we are on that we are gathering today on the ancestral and traditional territories of the Musqueam, um, Tsleil-Waututh, and Stolo nations. At least that's what we call now Vancouver. Mm -hmm. um, and so, when I started my Indigenous Studies degree at UBC. Um, or when I started, I took a, I first took my, I took one Indigenous Studies class at UBC because I didn't really learn anything about it in high school. And I was kind of curious um, about the land that we live on. And after my first class, that kind of snowballed into a minor and now oh. my degree. Right. And that's where I'm here today. And, and, and I think that um, in the future, I would essentially like to work with Indigenous communities in a medical aspect. So hopefully working up in rural BC and acting as either a GP or, or a specialist for Indigenous people so that they feel a little bit more safe in these communities and, and in these spaces. That's incredible. Thank that's, you. And it's so great that that inspired you, but you're also doing some fabulous work now and that's how we got kind of reconnected is, <laughs> we were talking about that earlier before we signed on, is I had, because I, I serve on a board and I've been working on my board certification and I posted about diversity on boards mm -hmm. and you, you know, connected in and then I connected with you again. And then now we are today sitting here yeah. on Instagram live talking about what you do, but you've also been actively involved in your committee. So it's not like, okay, once you get your degree, you're going to go do this. You've actually started doing work in this area already. So can you share a little bit about what that has been looking like? For sure. Like? Yeah. I, um, so when I was actually, 17 years old I served on my first board position Incredible. and that was with the telecommunications company TELUS mm -hmm. and so how I got in that position was I was actually an active volunteer for the YWCA's Metro Vancouver youth education programs so I would serve as I initially started as a high school mentor for the youth education programs um, and eventually made my way to a facilitator now 
And so I was really involved with the YWCA and one of the program leaders there was like, hey, Justina, I think that there's this position that I think you'd be really great for. Do you want me to send your resume over? And that was for the TELUS board position. And so I did the interview um, and then I got it, which I honestly did not expect because at the time I also didn't think that um, somebody who looked like me could sit in these executive roles um, being a young woman of color. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really learned to, that's where I really honed the skills necessary to like make the, the largest and most meaningful impact in my community. Because we were discussing earlier that board positions are, or the board is the makeup of the community that is going to be making the, the decisions, the, the big decisions that are impacting the community the most. Right. So I was, I, I, I didn't even realize the, 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 the role that I held until I started my position with TELUS and it's kind of like spiraled into there. So now I currently sit on the board for the downtown Eastside neighborhood house. In Vancouver, yeah. In Vancouver, yes. yeah. That's a, I think it's incredible, and it's, a, it's a, an important conversation to have because I think we don't necessarily think of growing our careers and sitting on boards. Yes. And even doing it at a young age as yourself, right? Like, it's kind of like, oh, go to university, get a job, and just be grateful you have a job type of thing. <laughs> yeah. And then for women, it's kind of like work your way up that corporate ladder, break the yeah. glass ceiling, those type of things. But we don't get, like I wasn't when I was starting off my career, no one even told me about boards because back then it was always like the people that were on boards were just friends and they all looked the yeah. same and they all acted the same. Yes. And they were just CEO friends. They played golf together and they were just like, do you want to sit on my board? Great, I'll sit on your board. Yeah. But now there's a lot more legislation, especially in the US around yeah. who needs to be on boards. Canada, we're getting a bit more regulated, but we're not as extreme. Europe is definitely a lot more regulated as far as like, you know, the number of like between genders that are on boards as well as um, people of color. So I think there's a lot more progressiveness happening over in Europe around this. Mm -hmm. But I think the big thing for me about boards is that, and I want you to share the example about TELUS in just a sec about like the budget that you had to spend or you got an opportunity to spend on. Cause I think that's really important is that people forget that boards actually are number one responsible for hiring the CEO and firing the CEO. Yeah. So they make the full decision about who the CEO that's going to run the company. Yeah. And even if it's, even if the CEO is the owner of the company, they mm -hmm. also play a large role in whether or not that owner stays in a CEO position for years to come. Mm -hmm. And CEOs, as we all know, hire their executive team, put the strategy in place. How is leadership going to be in the organization? So it starts with the board. It doesn't just start it with does. the CEO. And I think a lot of times we think it starts with the CEO. So we need to broaden mm -hmm. our education about boards for that matter. Secondly, mm -hmm. boards really set the pace as far as the company values. They're looking at all stakeholders, employees, customers, as well as community, yeah. Yeah. Uh, advocacy groups, and uh, shareholders. So I think that's the thing too about the board is that they have a widespread impact on mm -hmm. all those different constituents. Versus, you know, sometimes the, the CEO or the executive team is primarily looking at employees and customers and they forget yeah. about shareholders, don't learn that. community. Yeah. Yeah, you don't learn that. Right. And so everything that you just discussed, it's like, it's not taught. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know any of this going into my first position either. But sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I know. I you know. And so I thought that was sort of my end point. But I want to, I want the folks to hear about you know, tell us and the fact that you had this budget, this incredible budget when you were in this board position and what you yeah. were able to do with it. So I 
the the board position that I held was for the TELUS Vancouver Community Board. So it was made up of members of the community and we were given an annual budget of a million dollars. And we had to distribute that million dollars to local grassroots charities across the Lower Mainland. So there's actually TELUS boards that uh, serve different parts of BC that have their own annual budget. So this $1 million was specifically meant for the Lower Mainland. And we, people, com communities and nonprofits would apply to us for, I, the grants were about up to $20,000. Mm -hmm. So there were members of the community gathered around this table and I was the youngest, having been 17 years old starting. I was, um, I started at 17 and I, I, my term ended when I was about 19 years old. Um, but we were given this large budget and we were deciding where this money was supposed to go. And the goal was obviously to better community. And mm -hmm. we wanted that that to go to the, the organizations that uh, needed it the most. But these the, 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 the members that were on this board were also um, well-established in the career. They were busy doing other things. Um, and I, I, they definitely did not have the time to, to actively volunteer in their, in their spare time. So it was, it was essentially me that uh, was a youth that was actively still involved within the communities that I was serving. And while I was in this position, I realized that th these people are making uh, large decisions about how to best spend um, our budget and where it's supposed to go, but also they don't have, um, we're, we're missing that voice of those members of the community that helped mm -hmm. make these decisions. And that's where I came in. And that's, that's where I basically learned how to do the rest of, that's where I, I learned how boards worked and what right. impact I could make and how to make a meaningful impact. Mm -hmm. I think it's fabulous because I mean, I'll just say that there and I know that it may offend some people, but I'm not really too concerned about this group that might, I might be offend is that we're, we've got to get past the old male pale, stale <laughs> board members right like yes, there's yes. room for some of them but a yeah. whole board cannot be made up of all of them in the future we exactly. need to see more women on boards we need to see yes. uh, various genders on boards and yes. people of color on board they need to if you are a company of today or tomorrow you need to yes. be serving two primary groups like you know like when you think about sort of like your customer demographic your employees yeah. But yeah. then I mentioned earlier, like all the other stakeholders that are in uh, your organization, shareholders, mm -hmm. if you want more investors mm -hmm. and you want, and you know, people that invest are people that buy your brand, right? So it's just not, exactly. just, you know, you're not going again out and, you know, doing sort of like a public offering and hoping anyone will buy it. It's like, you want people that normally consume your brand to be, you know, invested in your business. And, you know, and then obviously the communities in which you serve. So if you're in any type exactly. of resource-based um, a uh, company like mining or resources, et cetera, you want to make sure that you've got that makeup on your board as well. Um, is, is more board work in the future for you too? Oh, definitely. For sure. Right now I'm, okay. I'm uh, working with the downtown Eastside neighborhood house. And if you're unfamiliar, unfamiliar with neighborhood houses, essentially we serve, we act as that kind of like home for members of the community. They can come mm -hmm. um, do programming or they can come just have a meal um, the downtown Eastside neighborhood house in particular, right now we offer programming to low-income households or also just uh, the community members of the downtown Eastside, residents of the downtown Eastside. 
And with the pandemic, it, we're a little bit more limited on what we can offer. Uh, but we do do we supply, I think, about a thousand hot meals per week. And oh, wow. we have family drop-in programs, yes. So it's, mm-hmm. and we have uh, hamper programs for Christmas. And um, the first Wednesday of the month is actually when members of the downtown east side get their, or low-income residents get their welfare checks. So we supply bananas. We do something called mm-hmm. Banana Beat. Mm-hmm. So while people are waiting in line for their checks, they have something, they have a little snack in their belly. Uh, and the day right. before we do we do smoothie Tuesdays. So um, this is something that this is another area that I'm also very interested in working with um, is mm-hmm. the downtown east side community. And so I'm devoting most of my time to that at the moment. But I do see um, more board positions and more executive roles in my future for sure, because I definitely do uh, enjoy the work that I do. And I want to continue making that impact, uh, especially after seeing the the role that I've already played um, at, at, at my age. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So, Justina, you're here today also to share your three uniques with us. Um, and then for those that are tuning in that may not be familiar with three uniques, so I created three uniques uh, around this time last year. Uh, I started interviewing folks to learn about what makes them unique. I'm a big believer because sometimes we go into that sort of mode of like, oh, you know, is, you know, what I do is that special? Is that making an impact on people? And it doesn't, you don't need to be making an impact on like thousands of like, if that's what, you know, you sort of like think about as far as impact. But my whole thing is like, you get out there and share your three uniques. There's seven and a half billion people on this planet. Somebody needs what you've got. We all like, you know, instinctively as human beings rely on each other. We, you know, we co-create together. So get out there and share your three uniques. So Justina, let's, let's hear yours. I'm excited. So my three uniques are that I'm an advocate, I am a champion, and that I have the courage to be disliked. Courage to be disliked. Okay, I can't <laughs> wait to hear about all of these. So let's start off at the top. Let's hear about you're an advocate. We've already heard a little bit about a bit, you know, share, yeah. like, share, you know, yeah, like, where did this come from? Like, yeah, this, this essentially started after my first Indigenous Studies class, because I learned right. nothing about this in high school. And so I'm now in my, I think, third year of university, second or third year of university. And Mm -hmm. I was just curious to just learn more about the country that, because I am an immigrant. And so I am also a settler on land that is definitely not mine. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going into this class and I I honestly go in with no no idea of like what I'm learning, uh, who's going to be in this class, what I'm, what, who's teaching and that's the first time that I hear about residential schools and I hear about indigenous peoples and the second generation cutoff. And I'm surrounded by indigenous peoples. My classmates were indigenous peoples and I'm hearing their stories and how this like directly has affected them. And my friends are sharing on Instagram these days and like something that's really like hit close to home was how every Indigenous person you know is either a first, second, or third generation residential school survivor. Right. And I'm looking, this, looking at this and thinking, how could I have been so oblivious? Like, I've lived in this country mm-hmm. for 23 years, and I just never knew. Um, so that's mm-hmm. when I basically started to do the education, and I started to learn about how to be a better advocate. And rather than speaking on behalf of Indigenous peoples, I, in my work, I try to provide that platform so that they can so I can so that their voices can be amplified and let's say for example the the 
teleposition that I've held. I can see that there are some really great organizations that are doing work with Indigenous communities. um, And where we want to best allocate those resources are those organizations that are helping serve exactly what those communities need. And also following something that I learned in one of my Indigenous classes were the three R's, which are like respect, um, relevance, reciprocity, and responsibility. So you're not just like going in, um, extracting all the information that you need, and then just like leaving with the Mm -hmm. research that you've taken, but like going in and actively helping serve these communities and being respectful to their practices and acting responsibly and not just taking, 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 but also giving back. Um, And so when I initially started this Indigenous Studies degree, it was more of education, um, but now it's more of like, how can I best serve these communities so that their voices can be heard? And in these Mm -hmm. board positions that I've held, I've noticed that it it's often lacking the voices of those marginalized communities that we're trying to serve. So you're making these big decisions, but you don't have these people included on the decision-making processes. Mm -hmm. And being my age and uh, being 22 years old, at the time I was 17 when I first started, and being a woman and also being a woman of color, um, it was like a trifecta. There were like three obstacles that I saw that were like standing in my way and I didn't see people that look like me that were in these positions. And I would think, oh gosh, like these people are so smart. These people are just like so intelligent and they're so well established. And I didn't think people were going to take me seriously in these positions. And so I was, I definitely haven't, I, I, I didn't even see a role, like a role model that I could look up to that looked like me for me to even have that kind of um, reassurance that, yes, I belonged in these places. And so that's where this like imposter syndrome basically mm-hmm. stemmed from. And so I was like, no, I'm definitely not uh, meant to be in these places. Like, I don't know if I, I should apply for this role. And I remember reading the statistic where women will only apply to positions where they see that they are a hundred percent, they meet a hundred percent of the criteria yes. and men will apply if uh, they meet maybe like 60% or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same for jobs and for board positions, which is again, exactly. like why we don't necessarily have that representation. We're looking yes. for, okay, do we check all the boxes? And then also we're looking to see if we're reflected on the board. And the reality is, is that we're not going to be for a while. And no. so anyone that's listening and thinking again, okay, I have to be, you know, 50 plus, I need to be male, pale, stale to be on the board. No, you don't. <laughs> like you, you need to don't. apply for positions and kind of break that barrier. And I think um, it is happening. The conversation's there. Like I sit on a board and I was saying earlier to yourself, like I just finished completing my board certification the conversation is happening about really transforming uh, the makeup of boards. So if exactly. anyone's thought, oh, like I'm not qualified to be on a board, think again, check it out again, and start exactly. applying. Exactly. And um, that essentially leads into my second unique, which is mm-hmm. that I'm a champion. Because I think that I've like definitely honed the necessary skills and knowledge so that I can best serve these communities um but especially being at like 22 years old and at my age and also um not looking like the traditional board member I have definitely 
paved a way for myself so that I am included in these processes. And I definitely did not think initially that I am, I, I thought they must have mixed up my application or they made a mistake when they invited me to sit on, on the, the um, telesport in the first place. But after sitting in a couple of our board meetings, I started to realize that my opinion was really important and mm-hmm. that the expertise and what I've learned and what I'm sharing is something very unique to um, to everybody else that is sitting also on this board because I'm actively involved in these communities. I am, um, I do belong to these marginalized communities myself. So it's not that like I am coming in with and I'm speaking on behalf of all South Asian peoples or all women, but I've definitely mm-hmm. have experienced as a South Asian woman and uh, growing up on the east side of Vancouver, I definitely have experience and um, lived experiences that are very unique to the other people that are on these boards. Um, and I've challenged norms. And that's basically why I was so eager and so excited to come onto this Instagram Live today. Um, because I want to make it recognized and known that it's not like anybody can sit on a board, really. Mm -hmm. Um, The Downtown Eastside Neighborhood House actually has a program where uh, we are having residents of the Downtown Eastside sit on our board, gain these necessary uh, experiences, and help make the decisions that are impacting their lives the most. And uh, right. I, I want to make it very clear to young women and young women of color that it's very possible and it's very likely. And you don't have to be a 50-year-old cis white male <laughs> to sit no. in these positions and help make these decisions. Because at the end of the day, it's these are not impacting them directly, right? It's, it's impacting the community mm-hmm. that you're trying to make the difference in. And that's what I'm hoping to do with the work that I am doing, is that I'm hoping that I make that meaningful impact on the communities that need it the most in the ways that they need it the most. I love it. Yeah. And for anyone that's listening, like easy ways to get onto boards, um, even think about like your housing complex. So if you own maybe a townhome or a condominium and mm-hmm. you've got a housing board, right? Like through your strata, yes. uh, get on a strata board experience, right? Like that's a, like, that's a foothold. It's not necessarily like you're not necessarily serving a community yet. You are a community of residents yeah. in your, in your household. At least it gives you some board experience. It gets you an introduction mm-hmm. to board governance um, mm-hmm. and what the meetings should look like and, and how to make decisions in that sort of communal group. And then, you know, another, another option, I think what Justine is doing is getting involved in community boards or nonprofit. Nonprofits mm-hmm. are always looking for great people that want to always. roll up their sleeves and get in there and help. They don't have a lot of budgets. Um, they're going to be a lot more hands-on work, I think, when you're working in mm-hmm. a nonprofit, but that's okay. And you're mm-hmm. serving your community. And you do get to see, like, a lot of, like, firsthand experiences of, like, what that audience that you're serving is going through. So I think it, it opens yes. your perspective and it, and it really... Um, makes a difference. Getting on like corporate boards or fiduciary roles might take a little bit more experience, but that's okay. Like you mm-hmm. got to start somewhere. And when you get onto some of those bigger corporate boards, um, you know, you can make some bigger decisions. I think that that's when like, exactly. you know, to Justina's example, working on the TELUS board, you get bigger budgets, you know, bigger impacts that way. And you can really help guide some of those corporate executives and how they think when you are mm-hmm. representing some of those stakeholder groups that they want to impact.
So you got to start somewhere. So I, I definitely exactly. encourage people to get onto boards. Exactly. It's awesome. And then you're, sorry, go no, ahead. It's okay. I was just, I was just ch uh, chatting with my friend the other day and I was telling her about how I'm going on this Instagram live and how I'm, 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 I'm speaking about my positions and like how I've sat on a couple boards and she goes, you sat on boards. And I was like, yes, this technically feeds into my imposter syndrome because I didn't think that I belonged here. Um, right. but it's very possible and you could too. I was like, it's that easy. All you have to do is apply. And even if you don't think that you fit all the criteria, if you fit all the criteria, you're overqualified for the job. So right. you have to go in and this will help you grow and learn and get you eventually to those executive roles that you are looking for. But don't sell yourself short. Like your mm -hmm. opinion and your voice matters. And I think that's what I really learned from my position with TELUS is that my voice mattered. And the expertise and also the vision that I was bringing in was very unique to me because of like the lived experiences and because of like right. the community that I grew up in. And so I, I encourage everyone, if you are remotely interested in board positions or executive positions, go out and apply. There are so, so, so many available, especially in Vancouver with nonprofits. Um, think about how we had a million dollar annual budget to, to provide grants to local non, like nonprofit Amazing. charities. Yeah. There are there are grassroots charities that you can definitely get involved in. And if you're interested in the in the executive positions, go for it. That's awesome. And then your third unique, Justina. My third unique is that I have the courage to be disliked. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. think I I was actually reading uh this book that <laughs> it was funny how my friend uh brought it up to me, but um at first I didn't think uh she liked me very much when we initially became friends. And when she learned this information, because I, I was trying to come into myself and I was still learning and growing and I was having people pleasing tendencies, she goes, I think you should read this book. And she gives me a, a book called The Courage to be Disliked. And so uh, I read it cool. and it really shifted my perspective on what it means to be disliked and uh, like how what uncomfortable feels like and mm -hmm. I feel like when I was going into these spaces initially I may not have been their first choice or I may not have been everybody's um I understanding of what it means to be a board member but it was that courage that I had that was um I'm making an impact on the community and that's the reason why I'm here the reason that I want to be uh, serving on these boards is so that I can best serve those peoples and how I can amplify their voices and how I can create these platforms mm -hmm. for the communities that we serve to have that uh, space available to them. And right. I think that came with challenging the status quo and challenging these norms um, and also being okay with being disliked or um, bringing up ideas or opinions or that differed from the rest of the group, but knowing that like this, that my opinion does matter and my voice does matter. And yeah. it took a really long time to learn. And I definitely have more learning and growing to do. But I feel like once I, once I came to that realization, it just made everything a lot easier. And it made um, the work I did more purposeful. Because I wanted, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I wanted to be making an impact and I wanted to be, um, 
making some doing doing work that I was passionate about but also was there for the community and I think that when I when I kind of like stepped away from this people pleasing and started to blaze my own trail and like provide like try to be that role model for other young women of color that are also interested in like these positions it uh helped me shift into perspective like why I'm doing this and that's that's the reason that I do the work that I do and also the reason that I love the work that I do I love that and you know it's, it's essential like when you're on a board you're not there to necessarily make friends like you're there to yeah. I mean, friendships might come out of it, which is a nice added bonus, but that's not the yes. intent of being on a board. Sometimes people yeah. think of being on a board as like, oh, it's a way to network and like, you know, create something else. No, you're there yeah. to cause some type of change, um, yeah. you know, and raising issues and having like dissent, right? Like having an opinion. And mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to mean that you're like argumentative and like, you know, no, and, yeah, and no. disrupting things that from a, you know, non-functioning way, but people need to see different perspectives. Otherwise you get into group think and we don't need group things. Yes. We already have that. Like, that's kind of like, you know, that's like just sort of exactly. conforming to the sort of the status quo. And yeah, we need people that want to come on boards to disrupt how things are being done. I think even in the conversations happening, you know, outside of city community or racism right now, but even in the conversation yeah. about returning to the workplace, there's a lot of people that are like in a tough spot right now. It's like, okay, well, do I want to go back to working in an office full time? Do I want a hybrid mm -hmm. solution for my employer? It's like, we need mm -hmm. to ask those questions and we need to listen um, and then exactly. come up with solutions that may be different than what we've always done. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's how we keep learning and growing. Otherwise it's exactly. like, yeah, like just like fold up shop now. <laughs> like, there's like, like if we're not continually learning and growing, like the human race is there to create and be inventive. So I totally agree. We have a question from yeah. someone um, online here uh, is what are some of the steps uh, you took to be comfortable with being disliked? As a South Asian female with people-pleasing tendencies, it's so hard to break certain trends. It really is. And that's a really good question because it took me a really long time to learn. And to, sorry, to unlearn these people-pleasing yeah. tendencies. And I think the steps that I took, well, the first thing that helped was that book. <laughs> okay. That my, that my friend recommended because it really shifted things into perspective. And I think what you talk about a lot in your aligned classes is that mm -hmm. um, your purpose and your vision and checking in to see if not just like having these goals and then forgetting about them but like constantly checking in to see if what you're doing and the vision that you have is aligned with your goals and like what you are doing and if it does relate back to your purpose and so I kind of prioritized how important my work was to me and how important making that impact in my community was to me and like fulfilling my purpose and also um, doing meaningful work and I think that once I started to relate everything back to that back to my vision back to my purpose it made my decisions a lot easier and also yeah. it, it, it's definitely taken a lot of time and I'm not going to say that I'm an expert at um, saying no or having the courage to be disliked. Um, but something that I took away from my time at TELUS was like, I thought I was going to be disliked for having these opinions. And I thought I was going to be um, dismissed or shut down for sharing my mm -hmm. thoughts because they were different from what everyone else was thinking. And they were different from what everyone else was uh, contributing to the group. But what I realized was that 
different perspective and and uh my opinion having been different from what other people were thinking and what they were sharing was exactly what they were looking for and I was actually praised for it and I was encouraged to share more of it and so I think that that was probably what snowballed into um the rest Mm -hmm. of the like the rest of the way like the how I carry myself now because I realized that I was actually um praised and also encouraged and uh kind of I don't know the word, but I, people were looking for that. People were, per, were hoping for that uh, different perspective. And also they weren't looking for the status quo and they weren't looking, they were looking to be challenged. Right. And yeah. I think once I, once I got a taste of that, I realized that, you know what, this is, this feels good. This, this feels more authentic and true to myself. And that's how I've been basically doing all my work is like relating it back to my purpose and realizing that not everybody's going to hate me for sharing my opinion. They actually are looking for it. And that's why they asked me to Mm -hmm. be there. And I wasn't asked to join this board just because I got lucky, but because my opinion matters and my voice matters. And the reason that I'm there is, is, is to provide that. Oh my gosh. Couldn't have said it better. It's so amazing. Um, I think I totally agree with you. When you are aligned to your purpose, the naysayers, the, like you even mentioned before, like the doubt or the imposter syndrome that comes up, it'll yes. go away. Imposter syndrome only comes up because we're starting to do something new. Yes. And then we start questioning, oh, are we good enough to do this new thing? And yes. my whole thing is like, get, keep getting, you know, aligned to your purpose, keep leaning in, you know, yes. And then, you know, bring in those people that are your cheerleaders that are on the side saying, yes. yay, Justina, yay, Brenda, keep doing it. Because it will seem hard at first because you haven't done it before. Exactly. And so that's where the imposter syndrome comes up going like, you know, the voice in your head going, what are you thinking? Like, like you don't have anything of value to add here. All these people have experiences you don't. And it's just like, yeah, "Yeah, but you will once you start speaking. (laughs) So it's just like, you know, just like keep doing it, keep doing it. Yes. And then to go back to your initial question of like finding my three uniques, it related back to the imposter syndrome. Like the imposter syndrome was so real when I was like, yes, I've done these board positions and it took a while for me to own it. It took a while for me to be like, you know what? I am accomplished and I have done these amazing things and I have uh, made waves and made meaningful impact. And um, when I was coming up with these three uniques, I had to like kind of set that aside. And it was the, it was, it was basically the little voice in my head that says, you know what you're doing, what you're doing is amazing. And it it needs to be recognized and acknowledged. Mm -hmm. So I remember even you asking me to like be on this podcast. I was like, me? Brenda wants me to speak on her podcast about what makes me (laughs) unique. I'm unique. It's a really nice positive reinforcement, but it's taken, it's taken time for me to get to that point. But um, I really appreciate you even inviting me here to share my uniques. And, and I do feel like this was a really great, um, not even just like exercise, but like reminder to myself that of the work that I'm doing, why I'm doing the work that I do and uh, how, how, how I've learned the past three years. Yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, like your work is having an impact and like, just, I think everything you just said in there, like when you live your three uniques, people need Mm -hmm. it, right? Like people Mm -hmm. don't need other people hiding. Like we need to get out there and just be our full self. And, you know, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of people out there in the world, just like you, 
that are making impacts. And it's like, just continue to keep doing that. Continue to do it. Large, small, whatever. Don't get worried about, don't start quantifying it and going, oh, well, who am I to say that I'm unique in this area? As soon as you start putting a scorecard on your life, it starts diminishing your life. So there's no scorecard on your life. It's not like you have a better life or I have a better life or right, wrong, good, bad, any of those things. It's just like, just live your life, live your three uniques and align everything in your life, your relationships, your work, your health, Mm -hmm. your wealth, your community, all to those three uniques. And you'll just live like the most authentic life, the most purposeful life. So that's, I know it sounds simple, like when I say it like that, when you say it, and it does take work. (laughs) It's not easy. But at the same time, it will create a lot of space for you, right? Like when you're living things purposely versus consuming yourself with stuff that isn't equal to your purpose, right? You can actually save time. Yeah, that's amazing. So Justina, I'm conscious of your time. Thank you so much for giving it to us this morning on Monday. Oh, of course. Um, Stay cool. Uh, You know, like stay out of the sun. Oh, God, yeah. Vancouver's going through a bit of a heat wave right now, so... Well, thank you thank for inviting you so much me. For being- and also, oh, of course. No, this was so wonderful. And and uh, this was one of my first. This is my first podcast. Um, so I'm 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 really grateful for you to even give me this opportunity and to even provide me with this platform to share a little bit about the work that I've done, and also to encourage women that they can do anything that they put their mind to, and regardless of your age, your sex, your um your background, your ethnicity, anything, you can, there is, there are no limits. It's limitless. And we can break that glass ceiling. And I think that it took me a really long time to learn that. And I want to encourage everyone that even like remotely is like interested in holding executive positions or interested in applying for that job to just do it because you are well qualified and uh, there, there isn't anything stopping you but yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, except ourselves. But I mean, I think like, (laughs) listen to Justina's podcast over and over again. She's very encouraging. Uh, And for everyone that's listening, so this, this will show up on the feed today on Three Uniques. So if you miss some of it, you can go back and listen to it today. And then I'll be um, taking the audio from this recording and putting it on our podcast channels in the coming weeks. So we'll, you'll see more information showing up around when to listen to it, either on Google, Spotify, Apple, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Thank Thanks you again, so much, Justina. Brenda. Hey, have a good week. Have Take a care. Great day. Bye. Hi, friends. Brenda back again. I am so happy that you were able to listen through to the end with the interview with Justina Adjula. She's truly inspiring, and it's such a breath of fresh air to encounter young leaders such as Justina and what she will do and what's possible for her to create in our country within healthcare and supporting all people across Canada. So if you like this interview just as much as I did, please like it, comment, share it, and leave a review. Let us know what you thought. Uh, It's important for us to know what you thought of the guests that we bring on and how this is inspiring you to live your three uniques. Take care, everyone.